This crisis is still just getting started. Hardly anyone knows what's really going on, especially those at the Federal Reserve. Yet the central bank sent one of its top policymakers to the Senate to give senators an early look at their findings. And what did the Fed say? We need more power. We need more authority. We need more regulatory margins to do what we think we need to do, even though we don't even know what it is that just happened. Federal Reserve Vice Chairman for Supervision, Michael Barr, as I said, was in Congress on Tuesday telling senators a bunch of stuff. First of all, he blamed Silicon Valley Bank's failure squarely on Silicon Valley Bank, even though, as I said, this thing is still getting started and it's not really about Silicon Valley Bank. Don't take my word for it. Those are also the words for an article posted in the Wall Street Journal of all places. If you've lost the Wall Street Journal as the Federal Reserve, I mean, what do you have left? The Journal is one of the friendliest media outlets for everything the Federal Reserve does. But after Mr. Barr's testimony, it said this, one certainty in politics is that the Federal Reserve will never accept responsibility for any financial problem. Fed Vice Chair for Supervision, Michael Barr, played that self-exoneration game on Tuesday before the Senate as he blamed bankers and Congress for Silicon Valley Bank's failure. This act is simply unbelievable. And of course, the journal went on to blame the Fed's rate hikes for everything. So Barr says it's Silicon Valley management. Uh, the Wall Street Journal says, no, it's the rate hikes. And the truth is nowhere to be found because the markets are absolutely certain this thing is just getting started. It's not about rate hikes nor Silicon Valley Bank. It's about all the same things that never get fixed. Now, maybe one of the few times ever, and maybe it was because it was from a brand new senator in the Senate, they actually started asking the right questions. I'm talking about Senator Katie Britt from Alabama. I don't know anything about her, but from what I just saw or what I just put together from her, her grilling Mr. Barr in Congress, I think that maybe we need to have more like her in the Senate. I don't care what party it is, Democrat or Republican. This is what needs to go on. Here's what she said to Mr. Barr. So you've talked about your review, which is ongoing. In that review, will you take a look if you used all the tools in your toolbox to prevent this both before and after? Now, Mr. Barr said, well, you know, I don't want to give you any answers. I want a formal request so that I can conduct this review before I tell you about these stupid ass tools that we're always talking about. The Fed is always talking about. And here is Senator Britt zeroing in on the very topic that we need to discuss. When it comes to the Fed, it's not about rate hikes, it's about why there's no money in their policy. As she continued, after Barr de de demurred and said, I'm not gonna give you an answer, she said, I find it concerning though, when you were all asked, would you like to see more powers, more strength? Every single one of you said yes. I think this is what people hate about Washington. We have a crisis, you come in here without knowing whether or not you did your job, and you say you want more. As the journal says, the Fed is never going to take uh, responsibility for anything, even if that responsibility is so easy to identify. The Fed says, I have all the tools. We've got everything we could possibly need. Something happens they didn't foresee. Suddenly we need to have more tools and more regulatory power. It's all a sham. 
And if only politicians would start asking more questions, we could get past the sham and start thinking about how to actually fix it, instead of going to QEs number 10 and 30 and 50 or something like that. It's enough with the QEs, enough with the tools. Let's ask the tough questions. Good for you, Senator Britt. Let's do some more tough questions and see why the Fed doesn't deserve more regulatory power. It needs to go out of business. It needs to be put out of its misery. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University memberships are available. To give you an idea of why we take such a, a strong disliking to the Federal Reserve, it's not because they print money, it's because they don't. And because they don't, when they say we're fixing things with liquidity, it's all a lie and a sham, which is why markets are so incredibly disruptive, because they know the truth, unlike politicians, therefore the public. We also have research subscriptions. I'm going to still do my commercial here as I rant. Research subscriptions available where less ranting, more analysis of what the Fed actually does, what the monetary system actually is, and how the markets respond to all those things. Daily briefing uh, with uh, Markets Insider Pro, as well as a deep dive analysis where we dive deep into all of these things. Information available at eurodollar.university. So in response to all of these questions, well, actually, before these questions got asked, uh, Vice Chairman Barr, of course, had his own prepared remarks, and you knew exactly what he was going to say about Silicon Valley Bank. Bunch of morons. Idiots couldn't run a bank. And while that might be true, that doesn't absolve him and the Federal Reserve of what happened before and after, as Senator Britt was sort of alluding to. Tools. What are these tools? Why don't they ever seem to work? Well, here's what Barr said. To begin, SVB's failure is a textbook case of mismanagement. That much is true. The bank had a concentrated business model serving the technology venture capital center. We already knew that. It also grew exceedingly quickly, thanks to the distortions in 2020 and 2021. My words, not his. Tripling in asset size between 2019 and 2022. But what happened between 2019 and 2022 that would make Silicon Valley Bank triple in asset size? Not organic growth. During the early phase of the pandemic, with the tech sector booming, it wasn't booming, there was just money to, to be had, SVB saw significant deposit growth, as did a lot of regional banks. The bank invested the proceeds of the deposits in longer-term securities, as every bank does, to boost yield and increase profits. However, the bank did not effectively manage the interest rate risk of those securities, not so much, or develop effective interest rate risk management tools, models, and metrics. He also mentioned the bank did not have enough liquidity management expertise or controls. Hmm, maybe because they thought egged on by all the media, all the central bankers, they all thought liquidity would be plentiful forever. After all, what have we heard since 2020? Bank reserves, flood of money, it's all over the place. Where would they get the idea that the money just arrived from the printing of the Federal Reserve buttons? But here's the thing what Barr said that was actually useful. And it's a thing that needs to be said repeatedly. In addition, recent events have shown that we must evolve our understanding of banking in light of changing technologies and emerging risks. No kidding. To that end, we are analyzing what recent events have taught us about banking, not enough, customer behavior, social media, 
concentrated and novel business models. How about concentrated and novel monetary forms? Rapid growth, depositor runs, interest rate risk, and other factors. And we are considering the implications for how we should be regulating and supervising our financial institutions. Maybe start by actually understanding how the monetary system works and how that system interacts with all these brand new functions and processes at these financial institutions. As Senator Brett and other senators on both sides of the aisle were trying to get Barr to engage with, shouldn't they have done this before SVB, not after? But like the FAA, which is called, which is known as a tombstone agency because it doesn't do anything until a plane actually crashes, the Federal Reserve doesn't really take much of an interest in money and banking until something goes wrong in money and banking, and then it throws up its hands and says, what could we have done? That's what Barr said. It's not our problem. Silicon Valley Bank was just a bad bank. And we invented some new tools in order to make sure that that bad bank didn't infect all the good banks out there because they are all good banks out there. And while that might actually be true, and it is, that doesn't mean that we can't run into systemic crisis because in a systemic crisis, what matters is not individual institutions, it is currency elasticity, which is something the Federal Reserve does not do. But they make you think that's what they do. In fact, that's what the tools are all about. Let's go back to the 2008 crisis for a moment because it's illustrative of what we're talking about in this very context, especially considering the markets are absolutely certain we're going to be facing these types of situations again. And at the same time, the Federal Reserve says we've got tools, we've got tools, we've got tools. So let's review the last time. Uh, what did he say? Um, in light of changing technologies and emerging risks that were changing and emerging late in 2007 and early in 2008. Remember the Fed started out not completely against its will, cutting rates in September of 2007 in response to what became the global monetary crisis. The Fed reluctantly said, okay, we're gonna cut rates. Then suddenly the rate cuts didn't work, didn't calm the situation. They came out in December of 2007 with TAF auctions and dollar swaps, completely changing the character of their policies from which we've never recovered because they don't work. So here's the press release. Stick with me. We're going to go through some press releases here and see if you can if, see if you can pick up on the common theme. December 12, 2007, in announcing the TAF auctions and dollar swaps, the press release said this. By allowing the Federal Reserve to inject term funds through a broader range of counterparties and against a broader range of collateral than open market operations, this facility could help promote the effect, efficient dissemination of liquidity when the unsecured interbank markets are under stress. Nine days later, still December 2007, the Federal Reserve intends to conduct bi-weekly term auction facility auctions for as long as necessary to address elevated pressures in short-term funding markets. New tools. Let's go to February 1st, 2008, just two months later. Not even two months later. The Federal Reserve intends to conduct bi-weekly TAF auctions now, new tools, for as long as necessary to address elevated pressure in short-term funding markets. Still elevated pressures? March 11th, a month after that, pressures in some of these markets have recently increased again. We'll all continue to work together and take appropriate steps to address these liquidity pressures. March 11th was announcing, guess what? 
Another new tool, TSLF this time. Three days later, as Bear Stearns was now being its fate effectively sealed. The Federal Reserve is monitoring market developments closely and will continue to provide liquidity as necessary to promote the orderly function of a financial system that was right then experiencing so much disorder, one of its most famous names was being taken out back and shot by JP Morgan. Well, a week late, less than a week later, Financial markets remain under considerable stress, and the tightening of credit conditions are likely to weigh on economic growth over the next few quarters. Elevated pressures, elevated pressures, funding stress, funding stress, funding stress, month after month after month, press release after press release after press release, all referring to the same thing. And I could go on and on and on, right through the summer of 2008 into September when the, the um, Pressures have, uh, the elevated pressures only got even more elevated and destructive still. What did these people actually do? That's what Senator Britt was starting to get at. You say you have tools, yet did you use them? And if you did, why didn't they work? Why are you bringing up new tools all the time? We're starting to zero in on the problem here. The Federal Reserve is a central bank in name only. It says we do something about liquidity. It says time and again, we support liquidity in the markets, yet the markets are illiquid to the point of serious disruption. The markets know the Fed's shell game. They know the lies that are being told, which is why the markets are saying, batten down the hatches, prepare for some really bad stuff because these guys are clowns. And what they tell you in public is often at odds to what they're discussing in private. I'm gonna go back one more time, March 10th of 2008, when Bill Dudley of all people said the following. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Financial conditions have worsened considerably in recent days. Oh, I figure about, how do you figure that? All these brand new tools and auctions and liquidity. Credit spreads have widened, equity prices have declined, and market functioning has deteriorated sharply. Great job, guys. Although there are, there are many factors that can be cited to explain what we are seeing, we may have entered a new dangerous phase of the crisis. He said that in private, what were they all saying in public? They said elevated pre funding pressures, liquidity pressures are elevated, but we've got it covered. We've got brand new tools. Even Dudley knew they didn't seem to be working, but why? That's the question we need to ask. We need to ask Federal Reserve policymakers to their face and get them to answer what it is they actually do. What are these tools and what are they supposed to accomplish? You say it's liquidity, but is it because you're giving them market liquidity or you're just trying to support the market with some comforting words of reassurance? And if it's the latter, are we really expecting complex world-spanning monetary systems to run off of positive emotions and feelings? The answer to that question, anybody who watches this channel or a Eurodollar University member or subscriber knows, is exactly that. They really do expect emotions to change everything. There's also another factor here, and this is something, I mean, this is a quote I'm going to take from Milton Friedman that he wrote in, uh, with, along with Anna Schwartz in his famous book, A Monetary History, back in 1963. It's in one of the footnotes describing how the Federal Reserve saw itself, especially in response to repeated failures. That's another thing that we don't really appreciate. This, mod this idea that the Federal Reserve is a technocratic, uh, an efficient 
technocratic institution, capable, the Greenspan put, all that stuff. Those are modern inventions. For the vast majority of its history, the Federal Reserve was a joke because its performance was one debacle after another after another. So when confronted with this, here's what Friedman wrote. It is natural human tendency to take credit for good outcomes and seek to avoid the blame for bad. In years of prosperity, monetary policy is said to be a potent instrument, the skillful handling of which deserves credit for the favorable course of events. In years of adversity, monetary policy is said to have little leeway, but is largely the consequence of other forces. And it was only the skillful handling of the exceedingly limited powers available that prevented conditions from being even worse. Took the words right out of, of Vice Chairman Barr's mouth because that's exactly what his message was to Congress. This being a year of adversity, the Fed doesn't have enough tools, doesn't have enough power. It's only through our, the good graces of those at the Fed that it didn't get even worse. But here's the thing. The market believes it's going to get even worse because as Friedman said, this is all just nonsense. It's all for show. There is no liquidity. You don't have to take my word for it either. Just do a little bit of research. Go back to the 2008 crisis. Read through the transcript. I know it's boring as hell, but it's a necessary thing to do because then you'll see what I see. You'll see what the markets see. These are a bunch of clowns pretending to be central bankers. They talk about supporting liquidity. They really mean support in sort of an emotional capacity of a psychiatrist. They don't mean printing money. They really don't. But yet that's what everybody believes. And that's why they have to tell you all about their tools. And then when those tools fail, they have to create yet another one. Not because the next tool will do anything, but that by creating another tool, they create another opportunity to write one of these press releases and try to reassure the markets and the public that they've got everything handled, that they don't have handled whatsoever. As I said, this is the Fed wants you to believe this is about Silicon Valley Bank and its terrible management. And while Silicon Valley Bank was a stupid bank run by people who should never have run a bank, that's all true. That does not account for the systemic issues that are bothering the markets that have talk about seeing things coming, being prepared ahead of time. None of this was unexpected. Why doesn't one of those tools at the Federal Reserve include looking at financial curves and accepting that information? We know the answers to these questions. Again, the Fed is not what you think it is. A bunch of clowns. And for once, for once, somebody in Congress finally started to zero in on this fact. If only more would do so. Follow along. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you to Eurodollar University and Markets Insider Pro subscribers. Major thank you to all the Eurodollar University members. Can't thank you all enough. And until next time, take care.